Hello my friend, Phil Catley here. Today I wanted to talk about a book called The Art of Possibility and it's written by Benjamin Zander. I attended a work conference in Singapore in July of 2014 and the guest speaker was Benjamin Zander. He spoke passionately about the subject, possibility, for about two hours. The 1200 delegates that I was with had just finished lunch and we walked into the post-lunch session to be greeted by an old gentleman with wild, wiry, white hair, dressed in a somewhat dishevelled suit. He was grinning from ear to ear and warmly greeted anyone who caught his attention. He reminded me of someone, and much later I realised that it was the conductor in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. You might recall it. The one that Bugs Bunny tormented and then took over from. Anyway... I had no idea who he was at the time, but I sat in the back row because that was where I had sat the last session and the session before, and I did that because I find the call of nature is more regular these days. I might have had a bladder infection, I'm not quite sure. I'm normally a front row sitter, but on that day, the back row was for me, for I had to make regular stops. Anyway, Benjamin spent the first 15 minutes talking about the importance of taking a front row seat which I can identify with, but I and all of those sitting in the back row with me were singled out as to why we had chosen to sit down the back when there were plenty of seats up the front where the action is. He then cajoled the rest of the audience into filling those front seats where the action is. I declined to move to the front, but I understood his point completely. The next two hours of his speaking was enough to convince the most sceptical observers that there are indeed rich rewards to be found in the front seats of life. You can look him up and you'll see that Benjamin spent the first 45 years of his life as a highly successful and very egocentric symphony orchestra conductor, most notably with the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. Over that time, he worked his way through two unsuccessful marriages before having an awakening about what is important in life. I guess he had a midlife crisis at some point. He talked about the dictatorial nature of symphony orchestras and how orchestral musicians have been assessed as among the most unhappy of professions. Paradoxically, these same musicians became some of the most happy engaged professionals when they joined the string quartets. You might know that the difference between a string quartet and an orchestra apart from the size and the number of musicians, is that one has a conductor and the other doesn't. The conductor, the dictator, the leader, the person at the front. The lesson here is that individuals who are given the freedom to collaborate to create something they love, find joy in their work. Those who do the same task under a dictatorial leader who fails to engage them are doomed to toil in misery. So the question was put to us. Which life would you prefer and which leadership style would you prefer to work under? It was interesting because this conference was full of all the leaders from myself up to and including the chief executive of my organisation at one point. Some of those people, no doubt, were egocentric, dictatorial types along the mould of the conductor that Benjamin spoke about. I wonder if they heard this message and identified themselves as a conductor or if they heard the message and, conduct, and 
recognised themselves as a musician. Perhaps they didn't hear the message at all. I won't ever know, I guess. Benjamin talks about two possible worlds. One is the world of win-lose. The one where there's finite resources and opportunities, where you worry, where there's failure, where there's negative thoughts and negative talks. He grabbed a texter and covered a large flip chart with a black negative spirals to illustrate this point. Then there's another world. It's the world of possibility. So on another flip chart, he drew a bright circle with arrows radiating in all directions. From the center of this circle, you see a world of endless possibilities and you spend your life actively exploring them. You can choose which of these worlds you want to inhabit because in, in Benjamin's view, they are both invented by you. The world doesn't change. It's how you see it. You create the world around you by your thoughts, your expectations, your self-talk and your behaviour. Now this is not a new concept. I've come across it on many occasions. Stephen Cavoy's Seven Habits, Carnegie's How to Win Friends Influence, Win Friends and Influence People, Buddhist theories of meditation. Xander just delivers it with more passion and enthusiasm than I have seen in a public speaker before. The thing that strikes you most during his performance is his energy and his extroversion. It is compelling in large groups discussing leadership and no doubt gets the best out of an orchestra. I wonder if he can turn it down in more intimate situations. It could become overbearing in a marriage. Who knows? But it's not relevant here because we're discussing leadership. But can you imagine him with that sort of passion and energy needed to control a room of 1,200 people? Could you do that with your wife and children and still keep them sane? A digression. Anyway, Benjamin touches on the importance of assuming leadership in any role. You don't have to be the designated leader to show leadership. If you look at the world as one of possibility, you will always be looking to improve and to grow, and you will naturally emerge as a leader. Benjamin used music to illustrate this point. And why wouldn't you? He's a musician. It's not what you do, it's how much passion and energy you put into it that matters. He sat at the piano and showed the progress of a child playing a classical piece, year by year, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, and he demonstrated how they would play a piece. Initially, as a nine-year-old beginner, the work is monotonous, note by note. Then it becomes less monotonous as they become more at one with the tune. But ultimately, they return to monotony as the child goes through the process of tuning out the same tune over and over. Within them is the capability to produce the tune with passion and vigor, but it becomes a chore. So then Benjamin dug deeply into what the music actually means and how it has the capacity to move you to emotions that aren't immediately obvious, but it requires the performer to put emotion into it to move you. He played a piece on the piano and asked us to think of a departed friend as he played. There was not a dry eye in the house. He asked us to sing happy birthday to a colleague and he put us through a process of injecting meaning and emotion into a song we have just grown accustomed to droning out. There was rapturous applause. 
If you were part of that experience, you would never drone out happy birthday again. He talked about when you sing happy birthday, it is someone's birthday. It is a special day to them. You're celebrating a special occasion with them. It's not a song that you just drone out. It is a song you put your heart and soul into because you're celebrating somebody's special day with them. He also drew our attention to a concept called shiny eyes. He said, if you are getting through to people, you can see it in their eyes. That's the clue. That's the payoff. Every eye on the house was shiny at that point. And it doesn't have to be tears. It can be sparkles of joy. A couple of other points were introduced by anecdote, which I won't go into in detail. But one is what Benjamin calls rule six which states, don't take yourself so seriously. The other is the reaction you should invoke when things go wrong. The usual response to misfortune is for your body to slump. But Benjamin suggests we throw our arms into the air and exclaim with a bright face, how fascinating! I can picture him now throwing his arms in the air, saying, how fascinating, as his world crumbles around him. If you combine that with rule six, it really works. So don't take anything very seriously and meet failure with how fascinating. You can't stay glum in the face of failure when you realise that everything around you is invented, that there are endless possibilities, and really you don't need to take yourself so seriously. He adds the anecdote of the two shoe salesmen who were sent to Africa to sell shoes. One reports back to head office and says, via telex back in the old days. Situation hopeless. No one here wears shoes. The other shoe salesman reports back. Great news. No one has any shoes yet. You see, that is the difference about possibility. The first salesman sees no possibility. The second sees all the possibility in the world, yet they're in the same place, in the same situation. Who do you think will be successful? Benjamin also tells the story of how he gives all of his students an A on the first day of term. The only condition is that by the end of the second week, they have written a letter to themselves describing what type of person they are and what they have achieved by the end of the course. This is his form of a success plan or a personal vision statement. He encouraged all of us to give people an A in our everyday lives and watch them live up to it. I've done that myself and you know what? I've noticed that if you give people a reputation to live up to by giving them an A, they generally do. And uh, that comes from the Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence book as well. Give people a reputation to live up to. Benjamin told everyone loves classical music. He loves it and he said that we all do as well. It's just that some don't know it yet. He dispelled, dispelled, he dispelled the myth of the tone-deaf person and insisted we could all learn to love the music if we just listened to it. So we finished by singing the classic Ode to Joy in German. All 1200 of us singing the glorious Beethoven piece. With passion, energy and shiny eyes, led by the esteemed conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra, 
It was an astounding experience. Back to reality. I walked out for afternoon tea and started talking to a chap I know who worked in another state. This chap can usually find the shadows on a sunny day and he did not disappoint this time. Despite spending two hours in the most uplifting session, my friend went straight into a negative spiral about how bad things are in his state. I gave him an A and talked about possibilities, but to no avail. He was determined to remain in his negative state. It was as if he hadn't heard a single word that Benjamin Zander had just spent two hours telling us. If Ben Zander couldn't move him, I wasn't going to try for 10 minutes over a cup of tea. So after a very short time, I said, how fascinating. And I excused myself from the conversation. There are plenty more possibilities in this world. I've often said that sometimes you come across black holes, people who you put energy into and nothing comes out. You need to recognize when you encounter them. You can't change everybody. That was a black hole. As we left Singapore, I gave an A to the bus driver with a smile and a thank you. I gave an A to the flight check-in officer, the same happy disposition. I gave an A to the customs officer and the baggage handler and so on. I found that everyone I gave an A to gave me one back with a smile and a happy disposition. It's a great way to go through life seeing the positive in everybody because 99 times out of 100 you will get the same back. If you get a chance please read Benjamin Zander's book. If you don't feel like reading look him up on YouTube and watch one of his pieces. He is a very fascinating character, larger than life and a lovable character with a great message. He certainly resonated with me. I wrote my notes out after the session that we had with him and I've recorded them here for you. Uh, if you've got any questions, shoot me an email. You can find me uh, on this page here, on this web blog page. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.